Namihinui kia koutou. Um, it's awesome to be here again. So yeah, I'm Ruby and it is great to be here again because um, I think this is, for me, my third time I've been here and it, it's so awesome to, you know, now have familiar faces and, you know, say, oh, hi, you know. Um, I'm not great on names, but I think picked up a few extras this time. So it's great to be here, but some of you I haven't met um, and you haven't met me before. So uh, I'm originally from Christchurch, grew up there. Uh, Mick and I have travelled quite a bit, lived for, for nine years in the Philippines, uh, living in a squatter community, uh, doing a variety of things to see God's kingdom come. And then we came back, um, ultimately ended up in Auckland, where we lived for 17 years. And most of that time, I was involved in leading an organisation working with families in South Auckland. Uh, so really challenging needs that there were in those families, and it was a real privilege to grow an organisation of God's people around that. Uh, but at the same time, within our own family, uh, this, we were really having a lot of crises with our kids who had um, various struggles after coming back from overseas. Uh, our daughter became an addict. And, um, and so I am very, very grateful to God today because today she's worshipping on the Gold Coast, uh, completely healed and saved and actually um, running uh, half a dozen rehab facilities over in Australia. So God is great and powerful and I always come and worship deeply, deeply thankful for how amazing he is. Um, and the great thing as you get older is that you see more of the story. You know, like when you're young, you think, oh, how's this going to work out, you know? And, and it feels like lots of things don't work out really well. But the older you get, the more you see the long story. And that's the God story. And you see what he does over time. And I am deeply, deeply grateful to him. Uh, I want to, um, so in the last year, a couple of years, we've gone to Whanganui. And um, we felt really God led us there. And I didn't know how God would shape my life. I'd given up my sort of big job in Auckland. But he has just, um, I don't know, just filled up the calendar and brought various things my way. And, you know, this is one of them, to come and be with you, share out of some of my experiences, and um, may you do with it what you will. So I want to read from John 13, well-known passage, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Oh, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well, you know. He's sort of one way or another. 
Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'll just pray. Father, um, you've given us your word and it's amazing and it's full of much meaning and precious jewels. Lord, uh, help us. Give us the wisdom of your spirit as we apply these things which have a very cultural context that we may apply them today that as we have heard your word we will do what you've commanded us to do. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, cultural context. Uh, in this part of, of uh, Israel, of course, people walked around with sandals like I've got on. I walked on the beach this morning because it was so beautiful. Now I have grit between my toes, you know, uh, worth it, but they're feeling a little bit gritty. So um, someone might need to wash my feet. But anyway, what happened, of course, is you turned up at people's places for a meal and they didn't sit with their feet under the table because they reclined at a very low table, their feet were kind of there, you know, where the food was. Uh, so, you know, feet really needed washing. Uh, and so this was a, a ritual in that culture that feet were washed uh, around mealtimes. So I think we kind of get the general vibe. I mean, that this was uh, a menial task, uh, a mundane task, a bit of a grubby task. So I have a question for you, which could be difficult, and I suggest that you don't talk to your spouse or your partner about this, uh, but you turn to the other side. At your place, who does the housework? <coughs> have a chat to your neighbour. Who does what tasks around your place? Okay, so this is a little bit of a test. Who does most of the cooking at your house? Hands up if you do most of the cooking at your house. We got any boys? No, okay. Oh, yes, I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Uh, who does most of the vacuuming at your house? Okay. So there are people who don't vacuum, that's all right. Um, <laughs> Who does most of the washing, you know, the clothes? Yep, yep, there's the girls, yep. Uh, who puts out the rubbish? Oh, yep, yep. More boys. Uh, who mows the lawns? Yes, go. Yes, yes, great. Awesome. Uh, who changes most of the nappies? So, I mean, it begs the question, because let's face it, mostly it was girls who put their hand up. Are girls more Christ-like? Yeah. <laughs> Doing those menial tasks. 
It's interesting in this day and age because um, in thinking about the next generation, like if I look at my kids who have now all got children, no, they haven't all, um, but two of my children have three, three kids each. It's um, one of their birthdays today, which is really cute, three-year-old, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, it's um, all of that menial housework stuff is a real challenge. Uh, life is very full and busy, and it is more shared these days. But this next generation have grown up very much with the idea that mundane, menial, boring things have no place in our life. Um, it was very interesting, some research was done around the 20-year-olds, around who has breakfast. Now, 40% of them didn't have breakfast. This was not because they weren't hungry. It was because they didn't want to clean up. <laughs> I know, it's true. <laughs> so the mundane, menial tasks in our current society have no place. We are meant to be doing things that are fulfilling and exciting and, and we'll see our dreams come true and will, you know, make us all that we dream that we could be. And so boring menial things like housework just aren't on the agenda. Actually, I notice that more and more it just isn't done. Have you noticed that? You know, people just actually don't do it so much anymore. Uh, but anyway, that's all right, no, no judgment. Um, <laughs> Nana has a place. So I just sort of felt to, to think about this just for a little bit is, is my first point. Um, it's interesting, there's, there's been a lot of thinking about this whole issue of housework, actually. Uh, there's a woman, Marianne Robinson, who wrote the book Gilead. I don't know if you've read it. Um, she said, housework is a regime of small kindnesses which taken together make the world salubrious, kindly, and warm. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? You know, I think we need to revive the notion that the menial and the mundane and the boring and the messy and the dirty has a place for the disciple. Because they create an environment where people thrive. And so for me, this is one of the cornerstones of the, the foot washing, is that it was the preparedness to do whatever. Now, I do want to say, however, that because, and research tells us, that the load of housework does fall primarily on the girls. It's still, even though women are working more and more, women are still doing the lion's share of the housework. So sure, it made sense in a time when mostly it was the blokes who went out to work and the women stayed at home. But nowadays, women are working too, but still doing the lion's share, generally averaging 80% of the indoor housework. That's the research. I think this is tragic. But I want to speak to the woman because I know that for me, I did become very resentful that my life was full of a lot of mundane, tedious, repetitive, messy, dirty tasks. 
and I felt like I was losing myself. Has anyone ever felt that? Yes. You feel like you are disappearing under the piles of mess, the nappies or whatever. And I just want to, you know, I just felt actually just overnight to sort of speak into that, that girls, you will not be lost. You will not be lost. I mean, I reached the age of 40 and I thought, you know, all I've done is serve others. My life has become all about the kids or the man or other people. Where am I? I have disappeared. But do you know what? You are being shaped and moulded by the hand of God in that place. And maybe you will be more Christ-like. Anyway, we won't go there. But I know that actually in that season, God was shaping and moulding me. And while I felt I was losing myself, the motif of the disciple is that as we serve, we become all that he has created us to be, actually. And he holds you in the palm of his hand. But I think I just wanted to say this morning to the woman that he gets it. He gets it that it's hard. He gets it that you feel like your life is dissolving. He gets it that you feel like you're lost. But he wants to say you're not lost. You are not lost. He has his eye upon you. And his dreams will come true for you. There was a um, renowned theologian, and he always said, very, you know, big status, well-known, and he said, the kitchen sink brings me back to the heart of Christ. And this is true. So as disciples, we live for the good and the benefit of another. Now, this also will cut into our dreams, and I just want to share the story of my son-in-law, actually. And uh, he was an Olympic coach. Big dreams for his life. He's very ambitious, he's very skilled, and he was very good in water sports. He was an Olympic coach, but it meant he traveled a lot. And my daughter reached a point in her life where she said, you know, I can't do this anymore. My mind is going to go if you do one more long trip. And so he gave up his big dream of coaching. He willingly gave up his dream for her. And I applaud him. Now, God has opened new doors, and he's now running an organization mentoring youth. And it's very successful, and he's very good at it. But I just want to say, you know, there's another picture of someone giving up something, a dream, for the sake of another. But he is not lost. He is not lost. God is using him. God is birthing new dreams. So... Hold your dreams lightly because you don't know whether the one you're clinging on to is the right one. Sometimes we have to hold our dreams loosely because God may have a different one in mind. As I sort of picked over this um, passage in the last few weeks, because it just sat with me, this passage around you know, today, and I felt there was still something deeper here that I wanted to say, and it just kind of dropped in the other day. The thing about the foot washing ritual in that society is that it was a ritual of welcome. It's what people did when others came to their home. 
It was a ritual that said, you are welcome here. It's a ritual that said, I will do whatever it takes to make you welcome here. And yesterday we sat around with some of the leadership team and we talked about what is special about this particular group. And it wasn't a surprise to me at all, but what is very unique and special about this group is the quality of relationship, the welcome, the connection, the warmth, the authentic nature of relationships, that you are real. And this is a special, what I call taonga. This is a treasure for you. But you must nurture it. Because as the years pass by and you become more and more comfortable with one another and you get to know one another more, this could be lost for the newcomer. Because we exist for those who aren't here yet. Is that right? In the last few years, um, a couple of different women have come across my path and uh, we've become friends. And each one of those women has told me a story of being incredibly spiritually hungry. It was a real surprise to me. You know, we were just doing coffee and, and this one woman, she's like, I just want to talk more about God. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's do that. I said, how would you like to do that? And she said, well, my father gave me a Bible when I was 15, and what on earth is it saying, you know? So for 18 months or so, we just worked through what the Bible was saying. Now, she had gone along to a local church because she was so hungry, but it had not connected with her and who she was, and that hunger, and, and giving her any sense of understanding about God. And yet she'd gone to church. And then I met this other woman, exactly the same, incredibly hungry. God had been seeking her out. She'd had amazing experiences of him speaking to her and meeting with her. But she was confused about who he was and how she could connect with him. She'd gone along to a local church. Same experience. Like, they're nice people. But you know... I didn't really connect with them. I didn't, they didn't help me understand who God is. Now, this is a tragedy. And so, for me, when I think about the welcome, it's more than a polite hello. It's more than someone on the door. It's being prepared to go that extra step to humiliate ourselves, maybe, and get into awkward conversations where we're not really sure what all the answers are. But people are hungry out there. Let's never forget what it's like to be lost. Let's never forget that there are people in our streets and our neighbourhoods and next door to us who would love what you have, who are so envious of you that you have this and that you have faith. So many people long to have faith. They long to connect with God. They want to know who he is and how they could have a relationship with him. They're not super needy. They've got friends. They've got jobs. They're just normal, ordinary people, but they're spiritually hungry. And God is seeking them out. May we be with him where he is, seeking them out too. May we be at the door welcoming them in. May we be in our neighborhood welcoming them and creating a bridge between what I call the street and the sanctuary. So 
This is something that you do well. May you do it well. And may you do it even better. May you think about what is the good news for your neighbor today? How would you articulate that? If someone said, what does the Bible mean? What would you say? This is all part of the work of the welcome. So that's what I had to say to you today. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that you are with us, that you walk with us. But we thank you too that you are a God who seeks out the lost. And you seek people out who are in our neighborhoods, who are in our streets, people we might know, people at work, other parents around the school, Lord. You're seeking them out too. So, Lord, I pray that in this fellowship you will strengthen our skills in the welcome. You will make us stronger in the welcome. You will make us intelligent and wise in the welcome. Teach us what this means in our culture, in our society today, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.